0: Well every blessing to you all and welcome back to my open air pulpit it's a beautiful June morning and so far so good as far as the flies and insects are concerned it's been impossible for me to film uh, from the open air pulpit due to so many flies breeding and uh, basically uh, just covering the entire area so I had to go to a temporary location or two and uh, commandeer such locations for my previous videos but hopefully lord willing uh, the flies are gone and uh, it's now business as usual please go to first john chapter 3 first john chapter 3. five nights ago i was able to finish reading through the old testaments so i always try to read through the bible at least once a year and it's always a blessing to do that you forget so much and as i was going through the old testaments i had verses in mind from the New Testament and 1st John is a good book to look at this morning and some other books as well but I guess it's like this if you were to question your average Bible teacher preacher or scholar and ask such a person which books are the most trickiest to exegete they would say Romans Hebrews Zachariah Daniel and I would agree with those books but very rarely do they go to first john first john is a very tricky book first john second john three john are difficult books to read and i've been blessed to have recorded each of those books over the last four or five years but the reason why they are difficult to exegete is because for the most part they don't line up with the Pauline epistles and it's my belief that first john is really the key the key to unlocking revelation Revelation, just for the record, was written to seven Gentile churches Not seven Jewish synagogues As one female preacher was recently rebuked uh, For saying, and of course women have no business being preachers or teachers or evangelists But when John wrote Revelation That was addressed To seven first century Gentile churches Yes, down the line, prophetically Those seven local churches become seven generations absolutely so and i've already spoken about that over the last few videos like laodicea the current apostate era that we are living in or philadelphia back in the time of uh, king james up until probably the 19th 20th century but first john i think gets overlooked i think most preachers don't always know what to do with first john and it's like this if i wasn't into eternal security if i believed foolishly that a person could lose their salvation i would love to go to first john chapter 3 read first john chapter 3 which i would do this morning lord willing and apply those verses on christians and say that christians are not careful can lose their salvation i don't believe that But I can see why people do that. And you say, why would they do that? Well, first of all, they are insecure in their own walks with the Lord. And secondly, they've been poorly trained. The vast majority of Christians, if you don't know, believe in conditional security. Those that hold to once saved, always saved, like myself. We're in a minority. The majority of Christians and churches, whether saved or unsaved, counterfeits or legitimate churches don't believe what I believe. They believe you can lose your salvation. So let's look at first john chapter 3 this morning and keep a few things in mind first of all when john wrote the three eyes and revelation he had probably at least at least two groups in mind the first group were the audience that got their hands on first john second john three john first century gentile christians yes there may have been some jewish christians and paul told you how if you are a saved person you're in the church If you are an unsaved person, you are a Jew. Or if you are an unsaved person, you are a Gentile. So in other words, when a person gets saved, they are neither Jew nor Gentile. They are just a Christian. But when John wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, that, or those people received those books, read those books, got a blessing, and so too are those that got their hands on Revelation. But it's my belief that John has got at least two, maybe three future generations in his mind especially from 1st john which again will unlock revelation and i'll discuss that this morning 1st john chapter 3 1st john chapter 3 look at verse 4 if you will whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law now every time you sin whether you're saved or unsaved but even after you are saved and we all sin if we say we haven't sinned 1st john chapter 1 we make him a liar and the truth Is not in us little children sin not but if you do sin we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous every time we sin there isn't a just man on the face of the earth that doeth good and sinneth not every time we sin we break the law of God we go back under the law and yet Romans chapter 6 says we've been buried with Christ baptized into Christ resurrected with christ we're already seated up in the heavenly places with christ and yet we have this tendency to go back to the old man examine the old man who again has been baptized into christ buried with christ resurrected with christ our names are written in the lamb's book of life and yet we go back under the law every time we break the law he say what would that be in reference to James lying how many lies do you have to tell to be a liar just one how many items do you have to steal to become a thief just one how many times do you have to blaspheme god's name directly or indirectly to be guilty of blasphemy just once and that's why john says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins so first john chapter 3 is a very difficult part of first john to understand When you read it at first glance first john chapter 5 is also very difficult to read at first glance but it's my belief that john has got one two possibly three groups of people in mind for example he's got the church age in mind he's got tribulation saints in mind he's got the millennial reign of christ in mind three groups of people church age saints tribulation saints millennial saints Whereas Paul's epistles, for the most part, are aimed at the church. And most Bible teachers, when they hit 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, struggle terribly to harmonise those books with the Pauline epistles. Maybe you're not meant to. Maybe you're not meant to harmonise those. Yes, John's gospel fits beautifully with the Pauline epistles, and Revelation fits beautifully with Daniel. But when you get to 1 John, 2 John, 3 John almost impossible really to harmonize such with the pauline epistles so what do most people do Well, they read these verses and they say we can't understand it they put their hands up in the air and they say it must be for the tribulation and they leave it there that's not how it goes that's not how it should go that's incorrect whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law you break the law you're now a law breaker christ told you from matthew chapter 5 how he came to fulfill the law now, the law strictly speaking is not for saved people people that have been made righteous paul told you from first timothy how the law isn't for the just the righteous the redeemed It's for the lawless it's for liars murderers basically the law is for unsaved people and when i go onto the streets i use the law to show people that they are lost and it's the best way to show people that they are lost don't be obnoxious don't be obnoxious don't be smug don't be sanctimonious don't start to insult people on the streets if you go into the streets just be honest and uh, straight to the point with people explain that you are a sinner saved by grace and you want to help people to be saved and therefore whosoever committed sin committed sin of any kind transgresseth also the law you go back under the law you've been redeemed from the law the law was a schoolmaster to bring us son to Christ. Once you finish your GCSEs or once you finish your A-levels or O-levels, once you get your degree or degrees or diplomas from university, you're free from that system. Once you pass your driving test, there's no more need to have any more lessons. Once you become an architect, an engineer, a solicitor, a barrister, a lawyer, an attorney, once you become whatever it is that you are training to do, a plumber, an electrician, a doctor a nurse whatever (laughs) once you qualify in your field you're free you're free from any uh additional education but what do we do we go back to the old man we take a look at the old man we stop walking with the lord we start to become lukewarm going back to revelation chapter 3 how god will spew you out of his mouth a pitch of revulsion not necessarily permanent rejection And again, Revelation chapter 3 also gets quoted by conditional security people to suggest that it is possible for people to lose their salvation. I don't believe that. For sin is the transgression of the law. So John is basically making a timeless statement about what sin is and what happens when a person, whether saved or unsaved, sins. They break the law and they are guilty of transgression. So it's like a courtroom. You go into a court the judge sitting on the bench and he or she will listen to the material presented in in his or her courtroom and a good judge will have to punish the criminal right that's how it is with god he sees and hears everything and he's already judged the world the whole world lies in wickedness and darkness the wrath of god already abides on the lost you can't get around this And ye know verse 5 that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin go to 2nd Corinthians uh, chapter 5 another book 2nd Corinthians is also neglected another tricky book very difficult book to really understand I went through 2nd Corinthians verse by verse maybe 18 19 months ago 20 months ago tricky book very tricky 2nd Corinthians 5 look at verse 21 for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him Christ could have come he could have preached he could have taught he could have set an example and most people would have been just awestruck to have seen him heard him Observed him. His words continue to have consequences. Two thousand years on, the battle for the Bible continues to rage all over the world. Universities don't want this book. Colleges don't want this book. Workplaces don't want this book. Schools don't want this book. It's only when a criminal goes into a jail is he or she given this book. But had he or she had this book before? Going to jail. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't have gone to jail in the first place. For he, being the Father, hath made him, being the Son, to be sin for us. Not only would he die on the cross, going back to how we've been baptized into him, raised with him, and also buried with him. Not only would he die on the cross, but on top of that he becomes sin for us. Who knew no sin? that we, the church, those that appropriate the atonement, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Go back to first John chapter 3. We call this substitutionary atonement. It's very rare. To hear many sermons on substitutionary atonement and yet it's one of the greatest themes in the Bible look at verse five again and ye know that he Jesus was manifested declared to take away our sins all of our sins and in him is no sin so there's no need for the mass there's no need for church attendance there's no need to convert to this or that church system with the hope, anticipation to be saved. Not far from me, there are churches, there's a mosque. There's two actually, not far from me. And I watch Muslim people going to their mosque for Friday prayers. I know perfectly well what Muslims believe. And if I was to speak to these Muslims, mainly men, running to their mosques, there's two, like I say, near me for Friday prayers. If I was to say to those men, can you show me in your book, in writing, where you are saved promised right here right now everlasting life are you guaranteed paradise upon death they couldn't answer me yes they couldn't show it to me catholics are the same hindus buddhists all the same only bible-believing christians know they have everlasting life in writing and yet why would you join a religion that can't guarantee you right now everlasting life complete forgiveness of all past, present, and future sins. Why would you waste five minutes being a part of that system? People do puzzle me at times. Verse 4 again. Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law. We're all guilty in the presence of the Lord. For sin is the transgression of the law. He's got his bang to rights, as they say. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin substitutionary atonement go back to the old testament you've got a boat an ark you've got a family a family that board the ark and of course the ark is a type of christ god shuts them in once you get saved you are sealed by the holy ghost salvation is first and foremost from the jews by the jews via the jews jesus christ was a jew and here verse 4 speaks about being guilty of the law breaking the law and first and verse 5 speaks about being saved from sin based on someone doing something for you look at verse 6 whosoever abideth in him sinneth not now when you first read that you think to yourself what is john speaking about he's just told us from chapter 1 if we say we haven't sinned we make him a liar and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faith and just to forgive us of our sins. What is John speaking about? He can't be contradicting himself in just two chapters. Whosoever abideth, that word abideth. Abide in me. John chapter 15, that you may bear forth more fruit, bring forth more fruit. If you don't abide in me, you're broken off, withered, so and so forth. So the whole key from this particular verse, especially, is to abide in Christ. Walk in the spirit Galatians chapter 5 speaks about the fruit of the spirit if we walk in the spirit Romans 8 1 and 2 and 3 there's no more condemnation standing in state my standing right now is perfect sinless God sees Christ when he looks at me and two thousand years ago he saw myself on Christ my sins were transferred to Christ and his righteousness was transferred to me That's my standing. My standing in Christ is perfect, sinless, flawless. But my state can fluctuate. Go back to the Old Testament. Look at David sometime. Look at Simon Peter sometime. Look at uh, John and James, these sons of Zebedee sometime. Look at John Mark sometime. Look at what happened over in Galatians chapter 2 concerning Peter whosoever abideth in him sinneth not so it is possible to stay in the spirits and not commit the sins of the flesh so in that sense it is possible and plausible and practical to take such from such a verse colon whosoever sinneth hath not seen him neither known him now i'm going to suggest this that john first and foremost is aiming this part of one verse at unsaved people again be careful how you approach the bible this book is a holy book it's not called the holy bible for nothing one verse can delineate between the saved and the unsaved one verse in the old testament can delineate between the first coming and the second coming and yet your average holiness preacher will read this verse and say well if you're sinning you're unsaved and most churches most christian groups around the world professing christians will believe such a statement: Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not, as far as their state is concerned. Yes, that's possible. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen Him, neither known Him. In reference to the last, and yet there's another application to this, which I we'll get to in a few moments. Little children, verse seven: Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous but all of our righteousness is, is, as filthy rags. Isaiah 64. So you're only made righteous by the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 21, which I just read to you. You're made righteous by God because he who knew no sin made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This book is fascinating, little children. And of course, Christ is referred to as Israel's father isaiah chapter 9 little children let no man deceive you and yet many are being deceived he that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous so when you walk in the spirit don't commit the sins of the flesh and you have fruit go back to john chapter 15 abide in me without me you can do nothing when you abide in christ you produce more fruit that's the whole point of being a christian to be a fruit bearer Every time you produce fruit, you become more righteous. Keep your hand there, and go to Acts chapter ten. But you've got to be careful with this book. You've got to be careful with this book. Acts chapter ten. Acts chapter ten. Get that in a minute. Acts chapter 10, look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So the Gentile nations, and that's what Peter is referring to, the Gentile nations, if they fear him, and work righteousness are accepted with him that's what romans chapter 2 is all about now if you really drill into this verse if you really push this verse to its logical conclusion you have on the one hand a great blessing because if people are righteous and are trying to do what they can based on their conscience god will send a messenger an evangelist to connect with such a person like he would do as far as cornelius was concerned also from acts chapter 10 and cornelius Acts chapter 10, we'll hear the gospel, believe it, receive it, and of course get saved. And yes, we know that Cornelius spoke in tongues, and so too did his uh, uh, male companions. But of course, Cornelius was a Jewish convert, he was a proselyte. So don't think that because Cornelius spoke in tongues, this is a quick footnote, I'll get back to the bit in a moment, just because Cornelius spoke in tongues, that somehow all people are going to speak in tongues. Cornelius was a Jew. And tongues, Acts chapter 2, were given to saved Jews, being the apostles, as a witness against unsaved Jews. Chapter 2. Every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness, is accepted with him. Okay, so let's think about this. If you are living in China, Japan, South Korea, it's say 30, 31, 32 AD. You haven't heard of Christ because Christ hasn't sent his church out yet to preach about him or go back maybe 500 years bc go back to the time of buddha confucius go right back to the time of job anyone anywhere at any time that was fearing the almighty the most high as he was called in the scripture when those people feared him and walked with him they were received by him but of course post the cross it all changes because had Or if God was of the belief, or if God was uh, quite content to leave such people in such a state, he wouldn't have sent Peter to preach to Cornelius. Over in Acts 16 it says how God has overlooked uh, this and that. It says how he winked at people's ignorance in times past. But now, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. But what happens is you get these evangelicals coming along. People like Billy Graham and guys like that, and they say, well, Hindus are going to go to heaven, Muslims are going to go to heaven, Jews are going to go to heaven. And they read this particular verse, and you would partly agree with them, wouldn't you, if you were to read this verse without cross-referencing it. Again, this book is laid out in such a way that if you're not careful, you break your neck. Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Well, that's not the whole story, is it? I mean, he wiped out millions of people back in the Old Testament because they weren't part of his covenants. Paul says the Gentiles were in utter darkness. Utter darkness. Without a hope in the world, not part of the commonwealth of Israel. Salvation is of, is of the Jews. Salvation is completely of the Jews. John chapter 4. But when it comes to salvation, when it comes to all of our righteousnesses, as is filthy rags, that's true. He's no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness. Is accepted with him well again progressive revelation builds on this by the end of the book of romans paul says how the word of god has gone out to the whole world christ will say to the apostles, "Go going to the whole world and preach the gospel why would he say that if it wasn't necessary just because a gentile in timbuktu here or there bc or ad just because such a person was doing good and trying to live the best they could didn't mean and wouldn't mean that they would go to heaven upon death. What that does mean is that when those people hit the judgment, great white throne judgments, God would judge them on what they knew, not on what they won't do. But my concern is when people read these verses and come to the illogical conclusion that somehow when Muslims are fearing God, Jews are fearing God, Hindus, Sikhs and even Catholics they would argue are fearing God and therefore and therefore are accepted of God so we don't have to preach to them that is erroneous that's heresy so you've got to be careful when you read these verses go back to 1st John a Christian has no righteousness outside of Christ, a Christian is lost outside of Christ a Christian or a man or woman without Christ is just as good, dead and buried Uh, 1st John Chapter 3. It's getting pretty hot now. And a bit windy too. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Well, of course, Christ is righteous. Whatever we do, when it's good, is credited to God. Whatever we do, if it's bad, is credited to ourselves. But this goes back one more time to our state our relationship with the lord outside of christ's death burial and resurrection we have no hope we can't save ourselves yes people living before christ that feared god and worked righteousness were righteous and god accepted them in a a limited sense but they'll still be judged at the great white throne judgment but post the death burial and resurrection of christ people that have not heard of christ and want to receive Christ, people that are trying to live right, basically, and there are people that are trying to live right, but are lost, those people that are trying to live right, like Cornelius, will have more light given to them. But you can't get one's own righteousness from verse 7 as a means of salvation, it won't work. Verse 8, he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. The devil sinned from the beginning of time, the devil was manifested uh, was allowed due to the lord's permissive will to tempt adam tempt eve adam and eve fell and of course with their fall there was a need of a redeemer of course god knew they would fall before they fell christ had already agreed to enter the world as the son of god to redeem us from the fall he that committed sin is of the devil It's timeless And it's also universal for everyone anywhere at any time if i sin technically i'm back under the law i'm a transgressor verse 4 and i am of the devil in that sense if an unsaved man sins and of course he does sin because he's a sinner by nature he too is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning when he was first created there was no iniquity found in him but due to something happening It could be his jealousy towards Adam and Eve's uh, special place with God due to his jealousy iniquity was found in him and at that time as I say God allowed him to tempt Adam and Eve for this purpose the Son of God was manifested in time not before time that he might destroy the works of the devil all the tempting testings uh, trials and tribulations james says we uh sin when we follow our lusts we don't have to sin but lust presents itself we give into it and then we become guilty of sinning also paul says over in uh, the book of romans how the wages of sin is death negative but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord positive positive he that committed sin is of the devil unsaved absolutely and even after you are saved if you commit sin you too are of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning in time not before time and also he had free will you've got free will to receive christ or reject christ for this purpose the son of god was manifested declared that he might destroy the works of the flesh completely destroy not only the devil's claim to man because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and Christ had to break that claim that the devil has over us due to our fall but also to stop people being terrified it says over in Hebrews how all their lifetime people were and probably still are in bondage to sin and the fear of dying and being punished and sent off to hell so on and so forth so Christ came to save us from our sins and also from ourselves whosoever is born a god doth not commit sin this is one of the most tricky passages in the whole of first john if not the entire bible you work through the pauline epistles you go through the gospels or the old testament books you can harmonize such to some extent but you hit this verse not so easy whosoever anyone is born a god new birth doth not commit sin why is that for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born a God go to Isaiah 53 every holiness preacher every Arminian every lordship salvationist especially the extremists will take great joy and delight quoting 1st John chapter 3 uh, verse 9 and if you are a typical Christian maybe newly saved or not you struggle don't you to deal with that verse I mean it's read to you you start to doubt your salvation you start to say well maybe I'm not saved maybe I'm a lost person maybe I lost my salvation maybe I was never chosen to begin with maybe I'm just not saved it's a common misconception Isaiah 53 verse 10 as well yet it pleased the lord to bruise him it pleased the father to bruise the son he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed his seed is in me i'm a saved man and if you are a saved person his seed is in you he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. So for now, Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. The Father lives in me and so too does the Holy Ghost. As of right now, as a saved man of 17 years, my spirit has been redeemed, is in heaven. My body is obviously still here. My soul is inside of my body. I'm a saved man. I will never be any more saved than I am. I can be more holy. Uh, I can do more good works but i can't improve my justification i can't improve my uh standing with the lord in the lord i'm already sinless as far as god is concerned not based on what i do but on what he's done for me but my state my state is a completely different kettle of fish again yet it pleased the lord to bruise him Christ was destroyed basically he didn't just die on the cross he didn't just lose all of his blood but it goes much deeper than acts and it gets pretty heavy as well yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief grief's a powerful word when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin an offering for sin go back to the old testament an animal was brought to the high priest had its throat cut, completely died. And the priest would have to carve up the animal. It gets very uh, graphic and detailed, and I will explain more when I go through Exodus in a few more weeks time. But Christ and his soul is offered up to the Lord, not just his body. So in other words, he didn't just physically die, he died spiritually as well. He lost his soul. Now, some people say this, that somehow, based on, uh, on John chapter 3 as the uh, serpent was lifted up in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up That whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life and they say this well what happened was when Christ died on the cross he lost his soul and his soul lost its shape I don't understand that and that's a pretty heavy statement to make isn't it not only would he die for the sins of the world not only would he lose all of his blood but they say that he lost his soul as well. He lost a shape of his soul. Going back to Mark chapter nine, how the worm dieth not. Job, uh, make that. Psalm 22, Psalm 22. I'm a worm a no man. I'm not sure what to make of that. I won't comment on that any further. It gets uh, not only deep, but you're on dangerous territory when it comes to trying to digest and dissect what really took place uh, to the lord's soul please the lord father to bruise him put him to grief my pages are falling out of my bible excuse me when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin his soul was offered for sin he became sin for us who knew no sin he shall see his seed we the church represent him those of us which are born again do what we do thanks to his power he lives inside of us of course he shall along his days and the pleasure of the lord shall prosper in his hand. go back to first john so i don't really understand uh, the teaching that somehow christ lost his soul permanently i think it's pretty fair to say that he died we know he died obviously he bled we know he bled he went into the lower parts of the earth we know that uh, on the cross he, he would say uh, father into thy hands i commend my spirits and i think what's probably more likely is yes his his soul became an offering for sin god put all of our sins on his soul he says he went into the lower parts of the earth and he left our sins in hell And then body soul and spirits are resurrected or rejoined and after three days the Father the Son and the Spirit would resonate uh, would uh, resurrect the Lord Jesus Christ to go beyond that and to suggest from John chapter 3 as the uh, serpent was lifted up even so must the Son of Man be lifted up to try and uh, harmonize the serpent with the Savior I understand it partly i appreciate it partly but to go beyond that and teach as some even do that somehow christ became the serpent upon death is bordering i think blasphemy it's a dangerous statement to make and i don't teach that i don't want to be associated with that belief or teaching his soul was made an offering for sin let's leave it leave it there let's leave him on the cross as he was at the time Blood shed for the sins of the world. Without the shedding of blood, there is no emission of sins. Spirit goes to be with the Father, body goes into the ground, his soul goes into the lower parts of the earth. And like I say, after three days, the triune God would resurrect him. To go beyond that is problematic. And you're on shaky ground. Whosoever, first John 3 9, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. But you were told that. If we say we haven't sinned we make him a liar for his seed remaineth in him his seed of course is jesus christ and he cannot sin because he is born a god in this the children of god are manifest declared and the children of the devil whosoever doeth not righteousness is not a god neither he that loveth not his brother go to Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. It's my belief, like I say, that 1st John has at least two applications, probably a third. Uh, But for here and now, if I was to say to you that there's no uh, delineation between uh, Christian people you'd say, well, of course there are. We know that the Catholics aren't saved. We know that the JWs, the Mormons aren't saved. And I would say, yes, that's true. I wouldn't make that statement for here and now. Over in uh, Matthew 13, Christ speaks about the wheat and the tares, growing side by side, living side by side in a typical church. And he says, let them be, leave them alone. At a time of my pleasing, I will separate. I will separate, not you. I will separate the wheat and the tares. And I will send angels, not you, angels to do just that. I think verse 10, in fact, I'm convinced, verse 10 has a prophetic application. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, going back to verse 9, being unable to sin. But this is speaking about a specific sin. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Well, that's also true, partly uh, for today. If I sin now, technically, although I'm still saved, I'm not of God, I'm of the devil. I'm following his spirit, his nature, although I am sinless in the sense of God standing in Christ, when I step away from Christ and go back to being a backslider, then I am clearly being uh, seen as maybe not a Christian, although I am a Christian in the eyes of the Lord. You see, it's like this. if you were to have seen Simon Peter around the time of the Lord's detention, or David, around the time of his incident with Bathsheba a lot of Jews would have said this he's not really a king of Israel or he's not really an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't swear and blaspheme he's speaking like an unsaved man a real king of Israel wouldn't be having relationships with women left right and center and on top of that a real king of Israel would be holy a real apostle would be holy. People expect too much sometimes from God's own people. But David was God's anointed king, a man after his own heart. Simon Peter was an apostle, beloved of the Lord. And yet, anybody seeing Peter outside the palace of the high priest, the temple area, would have said, Lost man false convert clearly not of the lord and david in the gates of his palace (coughs) would have come to the same conclusion not really a king a charlatan (coughs) but they were wrong david was saved and so too was simon peter but like i say jump over to micah uh, chapter 7 scripture with scripture of course Micah chapter 7 Micah chapter 7 look at verse 6 if you will for the son dishonoreth the father the daughter riseth up against her mother the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law a man's enemies are the men of his own house a breakdown in the family unit during the tribulation especially therefore I will look unto the Lord I will wait for the God of my salvation my God will hear me in reference to the second advent verses 6 and 7 as far as I am concerned and aware is in reference to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and during the tribulation the family units will break down even more it's pretty bad now we've got same-sex couples uh, allowed to marry same-sex couples are allowed to adopt children and again, if you are a good Christian couple and you have a decent sized home, I think you should be adopting children. I can't think of any good reason why a good Christian couple who have a decent sized home are not adopting children. But here, 7 6, the son, for the son, the son dishonoureth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter in law against her mother-in-law a man's enemies are the men of his own house therefore i will look unto the lord i will wait for the god of my salvation my god will hear me go to matthew chapter 10 in the uk at the moment we are experiencing a handover of power a new prime minister is about to be uh given the keys to downing Street, please excuse the helicopter flying over me and i've been following this uh contest for the keys of downing street you've got a few politicians that want this top job and yet what have you really got you've got boris johnson a playboy an immoral man the current foreign secretary says he's in favor of abortion being reduced to three months which is pathetic basically if a kid or child as i was corrected in one of my last videos when a child is conceived uh, the child can be killed before three months of age but the child cannot be killed after three months of age what sort of a compromise is that of course the foreign secretary is wanting to reach out to conservative Uh, Members of parliaments and people around the country, but for me that's just too little, it's too little, it's not enough. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, look at verse 21. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. And the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. So for the tribulation, it's going to get really bad. For now, like I say, the family is under a huge attack. Politicians in this country are all, and I mean all, all of the main people that want... Downing Street are all in favour of the LGBTQ community, all in favour of same-sex marriage, same-sex couples adopting children. Never once were we asked our opinion on this, those of us in the UK. Same in America as well. Uh, Two weeks ago, Trump put a tweet tweet out commending the LGBT community as a wonderful group of people. And I found a quote, a tweet that he put out in 2016, saying the same sort of a thing. I watched a video a few nights ago where it said this, that his press secretary has resigned and they think is down to Trump's endorsements of the LGBT community. I don't believe that. Trump's been in favour of that group for five or six years, long before he was even the American president. And this current press secretary was working for him in the back rooms in Trump Tower, part of his transitional team. So... When you have conservatives in america like trump coming out in favor of lgbt people or people in this country the current prime minister and the next prime minister whoever he will be also coming out in favor of the lgbt people and being able to adopt children then the family really is uh, really is under an awful attack brother Shall deliver up the brother to death, tribulation. The father, the child, they're going to sell each other out. And the children shall rise up against their parents in form, the powers that be, the thought police. That's what their parents are doing. And cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. He that endures unto the end of the tribulation doesn't get caught up in this apostasy lukewarmness treachery will be saved from the wickedness that will come and all those on the face of the earth for today it's not quite as bad as it will be in the tribulation for today uh, the family although it's under attack like i say in britain and america and elsewhere even in uh, i think it was uh taiwan even in taiwan they are allowing same-sex marriage whereas in china it's not uh, the case of course china is still very conservative as is russia and other parts of the world go back to first john chapter three people say well we want boris uh we don't care about his morality we want money during the uh last american election people are saying we don't care about trump's morality we want money And what would Simon Peter say to uh, Simon the Sorcerer? Thy money shall perish with thee. And uh, Paul told you how money is the roots of all evil. We want money, not morality. We don't care about Boris Johnson, they say. His mistresses, abortions, his current lover is almost 30 years. Almost 30 years. His junior... Even Melania Trump is also around the same age, or the same gap in their uh, ages, but people don't care about that. People don't care about morality, they want money. Make America great again, they say. Make Britain great again, they say. Can Boris Johnson do that? Can Donald Trump do that? Boris Johnson is in favour of the LGBT people. Donald Trump is in favour of the LGBT people. Why are Christians? falling over themselves to support trump or boris yes pray for your leaders and you must do and i hope you do every day on your knees but to get caught up in this hysteria it's shameful it's embarrassing first john chapter three first john chapter three so keep in mind what is said from uh, micah 7 and matthew chapter 10 a breakdown in the family will continue during the tribulation it's bad enough now like i say kids divorcing their parents same-sex couples being able to adopt children no one cares about that never once were we asked our opinion about first of all same-sex marriage and secondly same sex adoptions first john chapter 3 look at verse 11 for this is the message that ye Heard from the beginning, the we should love one another. That's timeless. If you love me, keep my commandments. John chapter 15. But he also said, if you love me, keep my words. Keep my words. And yet most Christians don't know what the words of the Lord are. Most Christians have no final authority. Most Christians are using multiple translations. But verse 11 again, For this is a message That you heard from the beginning when the church began that we should love one another it's timeless going back to if you don't love one another matthew 10 micah 7 people are going to lose their lives people are going to be just betrayed left right and center not as cain who was of that wicked one not in a physical sense but in a spiritual sense and slew his brother and he got two biological brothers the first Back in Genesis. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil. And his brother's righteous. Righteousness. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Or he that doeth righteous is righteous. He that does well. And he that feareth the Lord is received of him. Going back to. He that doeth righteousness. Verse 7 is righteous. Even as he is righteous. But here. Not as Cain. Who was that wicked one going back to uh, being of the devil verse 7 and 8 being of the devil in the sense of following the spirits of the devil the lust of the flesh so to forth slew his brother killed his brother and of course Cain is a type of Satan Abel is a type of Christ and wherefore slew he him why did he kill him Because his own works were evil. Going back to tribulation saints, people are going to become evil. They're going to become more and more greedy, more and more apostate, lukewarm. Going back to Revelation chapter 3, how Christ will spew such people out of his mouth. But his brothers was righteous. Two groups of people, Cain and Abel. Very clear to see from the outside but for today it's not always so easy to see is it the apostles didn't spot judas as a traitor the apostles didn't see judas as an enemy the apostles saw judas as one of themselves or one of their own when christ said one of you will betray me they all said is it me is it me is it him is it him nobody said it's him son of perdition son of simon they had no idea marvel not my brethren if the world hate you that's for today but it'll be even more prevalent and relevant for the tribulation we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren do you love your brother in christ do you love your sister in christ would you die for your brother in christ or your sister in christ in the tribulation it will come down to just that father against son daughter against mother a man's enemies will be of his own house he that loveth not his brother abideth in death now here it switches from uh, physical brothers in verse 12 to spiritual brothers 13-14 look at verse 15 whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him so for now For now, we are saved by grace, kept saved by grace. We know that when we backslide, when we sin, and if we don't repent of our backslidings and our sins, we risk dying prematurely, arriving at the judgment seat of Christ uh, to be chastised. But in the tribulation, there's a slight shift. The rules are slightly different. There's a greater emphasis on the family unit staying together. But for now, British politicians, like I say, have betrayed the family American politicians have betrayed the family politicians around the world are slowly but surely betraying the family satan is having a field day very few people are standing against the lgbt community trump's current press secretary sarah huckabee i think she has a double barrel surname but i forget what it is Her father, Mike Huckabee, put a statement out just a few days ago saying that the LGBT community is going to kill morality in America. He's been one of the only people to come out and say that. Most American politicians don't want to rot the boat, don't want to lose their jobs. Most British politicians don't want to rot the boat. The current Prime Minister, Theresa May, drafted the legislation to allow same-sex marriages same-sex adoption nobody was asked about that wasn't in their party manifestos either from 2010 2015 it was forced upon the british people go to revelation chapter 13 first john is written to at least two possibly three groups of people On one occasion, Paul got into an argument with Barnabas over John Mark. It says the contention was so sharp that they basically broke up, went their own way, went their own ways for a while. They would reconcile later, but there was anger. There was uh, a major disagreement. Could be jealousy, I don't know, but it was pretty deep, pretty severe. In the tribulation, it will be imperative those that go into the tribulation not the church but those that get saved after the church has been raptured to stay together he that endureth unto the end shall be saved not in reference to he that endures the tribulation keeps the ten commandments keeps the law will be saved and go to heaven that's not what it means at all that's a ridiculous statement that came from peter ruttman and ruttman's disciples are continuing to reiterate and regurgitate Rutman's statements of Matthew ten and Matthew twenty four. He that endureth unto the end shall be saved from what? From your sins? No, saved from deception. Saved from families breaking up, being destroyed. Revelation thirteen. And they worshipped the dragon, verse four, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? who is able to make war with him they're very proud of the beast those on the earth during the tribulation as of right now China is a superpower countries in the Far East are in fear of China Britain has sent a warship to be permanently stationed in Singapore to keep the Chinese at bay in a sense symbolically of course to show Singapore especially that Britain is on the side of Singapore, most Chinese people are very proud of themselves of their country. Look at us, they say. We've come so far in just 20 years, 25 years, and haven't they just? Second largest economy in the world. They've got uh, prison camps all over China. Not much about that in the papers, not much has been written about that or spoken about that, because the media moguls are mainly left-wing, and of course China, is a socialist uh country using uh capitalist principles but chinese people are very proud of their country and here during the tribulation it says how they worshipped the dragon being the devil which gave power unto the beast being the antichrist and they worship the beast saying who is like unto the beast who can match china or if you are an American, who can match America? Who is able to make war with him? For many years, Britain ruled the waves. Britain had most of the world, due to the British Empire. 1939, Britain had the largest navy in the world. By 1945, Britain had the second largest air force in the world. Bit by bit, sin, decriminalisation of this, legalisation of that, abandoning, uh, abandoning Israel, 1948, has seen the collapse of Britain. She said a powerful country, don't get me wrong, she can still uh, pack a punch, but she's not like she used to be. And this crowd are going to worship the dragon and the beast in the tribulation. Look at verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, three and a half years, a perfect counterfeit to christ of course he was on the earth publicly for three and a half years and so too with the antichrist and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against god to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven and who are those that are dwelling in heaven it's a church chapter four come up hither in my father's house so many mansions if it were not so i would have told you I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll bring you unto myself. Opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, blasphemes his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven, we are already in heaven, but once a church has been removed, this is God dealing with the world, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them saints tribulation saints overcome them like kill them and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations that's what people want today they want somebody to come along make them rich the love of money is the roots of all evil Thy money perish with thee we want boris they say he'll make us wealthy again we want money not morality we want trump he'll make us wealthy again we want money not morality and bit by bit these countries are going to start to go even further into decline and apostasy one of the reasons why china incredibly is so powerful now is first and foremost she still has a moral compass although she is detaining people and killing people but she's still holding back the floodgates she won't allow same-sex marriage same-sex adoption on top of that on top of that you've got 80 million Christians in China that are on their knees every day praying for their country. We should be doing the same in this country and in your country as well, if you're born again. But for the tribulation, God is going to give them what they want. Kindreds, tongues, nations. nations Pretty self-explanatory. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world it's my belief that during the tribulation you'll have two groups of people which will be very easily to delineate the saved and the unsaved those that are walking with the lamb and those that are walking with a counterfeit lamb antichrist and those that dwell upon the earth those that worship him being the antichrist do so why because their names were not written in the book of the life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world never saved to begin with it's important that we get this first john unlocks revelation revelation unlocks first john first john at first glance causes all sorts of problems i can lose it i'm not living it i don't like my brother in christ i don't like my sister in christ I've had fights with this person, I've had fights with that person. We don't talk anymore. But she's still saved. He's still saved. But for the tribulation, it's a bit different. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Look at verse 15. And he had power to give life. Unto the image of the beast, another the counterfeits of Christ, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now I've wondered over the years if this image is a hologram of some kind, a clever optical, an optional illusion. Uh, most of the magicians and their Uh, tricks and shows and uh, their acts have been exposed. I saw maybe a couple of years ago online a documentary, a group of documentaries, a group of videos exposing, explaining how magicians do what they do, like the disappearing woman, the disappearing elephants uh, cutting the woman in the box in half. It's so simple when you see how they do it. It's trickery. It's an illusion. Only one trick that Houdini did, uh, turn of the last century, has still to be explained. And of course, Houdini was involved with the occult. But most of what you see when it comes to magicians is simply an optical illusion. But this image, this image comes to life, and I think life means just that, is able to speak, and as a result, calls that as many as would not worship. The image of the beast to be killed so i think the image of the antichrist the beast is a counterfeit of christ but 15 again and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed this thing will come back to life And they'll probably say it's a miracle, but of course it's a counterfeit. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hands or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Mark of the beast, of course. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, For it is the number of a man, and his number is 600, three score and six, 666, mark of the beast. You can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. One group will take it, like they did back in the days of Daniel, concerning his statue, his image. Another group, like Daniel and co, would refuse to take the mark, and as far as they were concerned, would not bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter fourteen and I pull all these verses together. fourteen nine And a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture under the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, and in the presence of the Lamb no annihilation incidentally this will go on for all of eternity and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name so tribulation begins starts off all very well antichrist is on the scene people are falling over themselves that they are so wealthy there's peace at long last The church has been raptured, removed. There's no more Bible bashers, as we are fondly referred to. It's going to be uh, a wonderful time for most of the world. The Antichrist arrives, signs a peace treaty with Israel. Middle of the treaty, or middle of the 70th week, breaks the peace treaty. And initiates some financial system like a mark in the hand. And also in one's forehead, people will take it because it's easier than paying, excuse me, uh, any other way, hick on the flies. It's already around today, animals are being chipped. Uh, employees for certain companies are chipped. It's convenient to see, who wants to carry cash all the time or a credit card? Just scan your right hand or scan one's forehead. And once you take the mark of the beast, you're finished. And yet, John MacArthur made a fool of himself some years ago. He said uh, it would be possible that a person could take the mark of the beast in the tribulation and still be saved. Impossible. Completely impossible. And Rutman went in a different direction. He said this. He said uh, in the tribulation, those who take the mark of the beast can be redeemed by being baptized. And he would quote Acts chapter 2, which is also ridiculous. Here is the patience of the saints, verse 12. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So, a typical dispensationalist will say this, that once the church has been raptured, uh, God deals with Israel, which is true, and the nations, which is true. But those who get saved during the tribulation have to work their way to heaven. Faith and works. And for the millennial reign of Christ, it's just works. That, of course, is ridiculous. But I always like to quote this verse: "Here are they that keep the commandments of God, and the faith of Jesus." Go to First Corinthians chapter seven. First Corinthians chapter seven. Most people think that the commandments here are the Ten Commandments, and of course they are not. Uh, 1 Corinthians seven. 1 Corinthians seven. Uh, look at verse nineteen circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of god and here paul is speaking to the church every epistle he wrote is completely 100 percent for the church he mentions the commandments of god go back to first john quickly first john chapter three Look at verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, number one, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. Number two, and love one another, as he gave us commandments. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him and herein we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us go to romans chapter 13 the ten commandments speaking were for the jews not the gentiles yes you can use the ten commandments and i do to show an unsaved person that they need to be born again but you don't live by the ten commandments to stay saved the ten commandments if you're them, would result in you being put to death The church is not under the law, but under grace. Uh, Romans 13, 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment it is briefly comprehended in this saying namely thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself walk in the spirit you don't commit the sins of the flesh if you don't walk in the spirit you go back under the law you are a transgressor and all those sins which are just mentioned from verse 9 are what you can be quite capable of committing if you're not careful but look at verse 10 love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law go to mark chapter 12 of course this was aimed at the or this is aimed at saved people you can't be saved by loving anyone you can't be saved by doing anything if you do righteous and fear god acts chapter 10 and romans chapter 2 god will send someone to articulate the plan of salvation you can't go to heaven on your works under any dispensation get that out of your minds Mark twelve twenty nine, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, in the sense of unity, not oneness, not in the sense of Unitarianism, in the sense of Trinitarianism. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. It's also impossible. But he will list it it anyway, because he is God, and God cannot lower his standard. That's why God had to become a man in Jesus Christ, to die in our place, to keep the law on our behalf. But this is the law, basically, to love him, with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. 31. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these so let's conclude this video and try and harmonize all these verses basically during the tribulation the family units will have to stay together if they don't people are going to die people are going to pay a huge price for it the mark of the beast will arrive people who take the mark of the beast are forever damned cannot be redeemed those that don't take the mark of the beast will be put to death pure and simple the keeping of the commandments of god is in reference to loving god obviously and john further elaborates on that believing that jesus christ is the son of god and loving your neighbor as yourself and also john reinforced that uh, in reference to loving fellow brothers and sisters in the lord it will be impossible it will be impossible for those in the tribulation to take the mark of the beast go back to first john chapter 3 uh, those that take the mark of the beast those that worship the beast in the tribulation are unsaved never saved to begin with their names were never written in the lamb's book of life so when it says over in first john chapter 3 and uh, I need to re-glue some of these pages uh, verse 10 for example in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil what it really means is this that in the tribulation the children of God won't take the mark of the beast will be singled out for execution they will lose their heads those who take the mark of the beast are children of the devil whosoever doeth not righteousness is not a god in reference to taking the mark of the beast neither he that loveth not his brother in reference to selling out brethren during the tribulation whosoever is born of god verse 9 doth not commit sin won't take the mark of the beast for his seed remaineth in him god won't allow you during the tribulation to take the mark of the beast and he cannot sin in reference to taking the mark of the beast because he is born of god now, for here and now if you were to preach this and put this on people today which a lot of preachers do all sorts of problems are going to occur people are going to question their salvation they're going to become panicky unsettled in their spirits am i really saved i still do this i still do that but it's not for you it's aimed end a future generation but this is a message that he heard from the beginning that we should love one another so that's for now especially during the tribulation for the family to stay together those that don't love brother or sister mother or father in the tribulation will end up seeing their loved ones betrayed executed like the first century christians would experience in the lion's den being uh, put into awful events murdered for their faith in christ not caesar and for the tribulations to throw back basically to the first century first century caesar was considered to be god end of time tribulation antichrist will be considered to be god first century the church wouldn't worship caesar but christ first century the church during the uh, tribulation uh, era the church won't worship antichrist but christ and those that worship antichrist during the tribulation and those that worshipped caesar for the most part during the first century uh, were not god's people were not born again to begin with There are problems if you really push that to its logical conclusion as far as the first century church was concerned because the first century church and many people did deny christ under duress but were still saved had to rebuild their lives afterwards but for the tribulation it won't be so easy won't be so uh difficult to distinguish between the saved and the unsaved those that go through the tribulation and stay faithful don't take the mark of the beast will obviously die lose their heads like i say and they will be resurrected at the great white throne judgment to receive their crowns those that are faithless uh, to god but faithful to the anti-god being the devil of course will take the mark of the beast so one more time whosoever is born of god verse 9 doth not commit sin for the tribulation not for now for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born a god it, be, it will be impossible during the tribulation to Take the mark of the beast like i say in this the children of god are manifest and the children of the devil also it'll be a lot easier for the antichrist and his ilk to trace and track down christians and the tribulation because they won't take the mark they can't buy they can't sell it'll be very difficult for them children of god manifest and the children of the devil two groups of people but for now it's not so easy to distinguish between the saved and the unsaved see a lot of apostasy now whosoever doeth not righteousness is not a god neither he that loveth not his brother brother spiritual brothers and sisters like i say for this is a message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another that's timeless of course for the church age tribulation and the, the millennial reign not as cain verse 12 who was that wicked one same spirit same character as the devil and slew his brother And wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous also jealous of course and that's one of the reasons i think why the devil fell due to jealousy marvel not my brethren if the world hate you and they will during the tribulation we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren he that loveth not his brother abideth in death there's now a switch going back to those in the tribulation whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. In other words, not saved, not born again. In the tribulation, it will be impossible for saved people to hate their brothers or sisters in Christ. Christ's seed, his seed remains in tribulation saints. And those that go on to sell out, family and friends, will be shown to have never been saved to begin with that's what Matthew 25 is all about and elsewhere where the Lord ends up just cutting people down executing people and also Matthew chapter 7 Lord Lord have we not prophesied in thy name done many wonderful works in thy name that infamous passage in reference I believe to tribulation saints but also in reference to those that were never saved never saved to begin with not those who were saved and lost their salvation which is impossible but those that were never saved to begin with so quite a bit of bible this morning and hopefully lord willing like i say i will attempt to return to the open air pulpit from now on and do more videos along these lines first john is a very difficult book to exegete as is second john and third john but i think when you read first john as i've attempted to do this morning in harmony with revelation and some old testament passages you can see quite clearly I believe that that John isn't speaking about the here and now, but what will take place during the tribulation. There's a slight change, a slight shift, a re-emphasis on family unity which is under attack today, like I say, but it'll get a whole lot worse during the tribulation. And we'll close it there and uh, sign out and I wish you all your blessing and happiness in the wonderful name of our great God and Savior Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. And also one final footnote if i may from first john chapter three verse six whosoever abideth in him sinneth not whosoever sinneth not hath not seen him neither known him will also be in reference to those that go into the promised land the millennial reign of christ those that are redeemed are now sinless perfect completely unable to sin because they have been redeemed regenerated they are now sinless in a practical sense and a permanent sense but for the here and now for the church age we have free will we can sin we can do right we can do wrong uh, and that's why i say john has at least three applications first application for the first century churches under grace tribulation era those that are still under grace but there's a different emphasis concerning the mark of the beast, because whoever takes the mark of the beast cannot be redeemed. And the final application, I think, from 1 John is also in reference to those during the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is also mentioned over in 1 John 5.18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God, keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now part of that is also in reference to the here and now. Satan can't take your salvation from you. He can take your mind, uh, your eyesight, your hearing, physical health from you, if the Lord allows him to do so. He almost destroyed Job back in the Old Testament and he had no trouble with some of the other greats in both testaments, But, but, uh, but when it comes to your salvation, you are safe and sound but I think basically in one final time when it comes to these verses which don't really fit with any other parts of scripture we have to read them and apply them ultimately and uh, finally in reference to not just tribulation saints coming back to the mark of the beast but during the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ the redeemed contrast that to the unredeemed and that's why people during the thousand year reign Of the Lord Jesus Christ will have to be born again have to be saved have to be forgiven people are going to be living and dying in the tribulation and they too going back to Genesis pre the law had to be saved by acknowledging whatever light they had and for the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ Christ is obviously on the earth they can see him and they too will have to put their faith in him like when he came the first time they saw him they walked and dined with him Heard his preaching they had to receive it believe it it's always going to be grace alone from beginning to end but basically the overall understanding that i have from first john is that those that are saved in the future especially cannot sin it's impossible for them to sin mark of the beast thousand year reign of christ like i say for the thousand year reign of christ they are regenerated so on and so forth for the tribulation they are preserved kept from sinning going back to how the Lord uh, kept the Jews from falling away and also how he preserved them for 40 years in the wilderness and God will preserve his elect during the uh, tribulation of the church age those of us that that are saved are kept saved and safe so be careful with 1st John and uh, maybe down the line I will come back and go a little deeper into 1st John but that final note just wanted to put on camera and sign out and we should be blessing happiness in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and